0: happy monday it's the 15th of march 2021 i'm todd brinker this is back from the brink aaron will be joining us momentarily as we left the radio show today we were talking about um uh well, I brought up Doc uh, Bill Maher's recent commentary about uh, us and China. And uh, Aaron had been talking about uh, the evening or the, the weekend news shows complaining about uh, President Trump and finger pointing at President Trump. And she was making the point that, hey, you know, the man's been out of office for two months. Why are you blaming him for stuff? Let's start focusing on what you're doing. Uh, and, you know, you have you and particularly our speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, has been in office for ages. Uh, what have you done? But she's finger pointing and apparently complaining about President Trump. Ironically, uh, at the same time, President Biden is taking credit for all of the wonderful things he's done to halt covid when most of what he's doing is at this point, um uh just stoking the machinery that was already in place that had been put in place by President Trump, which, of course, they're trying to create a narrative that there was nothing done, that they had to start from scratch and start over. Uh, kudos to um, to uh, uh, Dr. Fauci for coming out and saying, that's baloney. I was in the meetings. We had lots of stuff done and lots of stuff was in place, even though Fauci clearly is not a fan of Trump, who tried to squelch his his talking and speaking. And, you know, he felt like he was kind of looking over his shoulder every time he spoke. And he said Is that, that as much as well too. So anyhow, you know, it's like every president, they, the new incoming president always, uh, takes credit for any good outcomes from the previous president's, you know, uh, momentum or whatever's in place. And they've all done it. They always will do it. And, and, uh, you know, anything that's going bad, they blame the previous guy. And anything that's going good, it's because of stuff that they did, even though they clearly didn't have any time to put it together. I mean, uh, President Biden's been in, in office less than 60 days at this point. I think it's, uh, what was it, uh, 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 January 24th, so something like that. So, yeah, we're not there yet. We'll be 60 days in another week. Um, so, he's like at 54, 55, something like that. Anyhow, Um, you know, it's, I mean, that's politics, I guess, is, you know, the the slam, the other guy, when you can take, you know, take credit for, for anything that happens under your watch, whether or not, you know, it was started under the previous watch. That's, that's, that's just, you know, part of the game. But uh, I think Bill Maher hit on a real, real, uh, sensitive area or, or hit the, hit the target perfectly this weekend when he was, uh, Doing sort of a, a contrast and compare between us and China, you know, and and he talks about the fact that he feels like, you know, we are a silly people and they are not. They are serious people in general. I mean, we spend time arguing back and forth while they build things, uh, you know, to quote him. He says, you know who doesn't care about the, uh, that? There's a stereotype of a Chinese man in a Dr. Seuss book China. All 1.4 billion of them could care less. And I'm paraphrasing that because he used language that I don't want to repeat. If anything, they're not a silly people. They're as serious as a prison fight. On a national level, we've been having Infrastructure Week every week since 2009, but we never do anything. Here's zero. Hello. You're there. I
1: am. How are you?
0: Doing OK. I was just sharing a little bit more of what Bill Maher had said, uh, comparing us to uh, to the Chinese. You know, he he complains that it's like on a national level. We've been having infrastructure infrastructure week every week since 2009. But we never do anything, you know. And I love this yeah. quote. Half our country is having a never ending woke competition deciding whether or not. Mr. Potato had, has has genitalia and which kind. And the other half believes we have to stop the lizard people because they're eating babies. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, you know, this is what our country is debating while the Chinese are building bridges and 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 buildings and uh, and, and whole cities. They've built whole in you know, a wholesale built cities where they didn't exist 10 years ago. Um, you know, they've yes. taken 1.2 billion people and turned them into middle class citizens from from peasants over the last 20 years. And, and we've been, you know, arguing about, uh, um, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Potato Head.
2: Yes. Yes. It's
0: just, um, you know, yeah, one of the quotes, Ch- China once put up a 57 story skyscraper in 19 days. They demolished and rebuilt the San Yuan Bridge in Beijing in forty-three hours. You know, we binge watch and they binge build.
2: Yes, that sounds about right. Yeah, and we didn't—we didn't used to be that way. You know, we didn't used to be this. And I'm as guilty as anybody else. We're we are a complacent um, uh, and lazy culture now.
0: Yeah, and it's yeah we've 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 been we we've been cruising on 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 cruise control we've been coasting on the tailcoat of our previous generations hard work and effort um yeah. as a, as a people and and as a result our, our idle hands and idle minds have left us to bicker and argue about stupid stuff now that's not to say that they don't they have, they have um, uh, you know, their versions of, of social media where they argue and bicker about stupid stuff as well. But they're still getting stuff done, you know. Yes. Um, you know, they, they just do it in their spare time after they work. We do it instead of work sometimes, um, you know. So, yeah. You know, he says, we're not losing to China. We lost. The returns just haven't all come in yet. and and further you know I, I they don't have all the information here but you know i watched the show and and you know he shows china china has an outreach program and he showed china with arrows drawn to every country in the world all over asia and africa where they have paid for infrastructure building roads and bridges in other countries so that those other countries now are beholden to them because they have gone in and done lots of work to help them Yeah. and uh and and, you know, we used to be the country that was doing that kind of thing. And we haven't been. And so the rest of the world looks at us, looks at China and says, well, they're helping us. You know, what are you guys doing? You're, you're arguing amongst yourselves and not getting anything done. Why yeah. would we support you? You know, yeah. and it would you know, the, the I think the, the final point that he makes is 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 poignant in that, you know, he says there between the the dictatorship. That is China, and the republic that is us. There has to be a happy medium where we can actually get stuff done, but we don't just stand around squabbling.
2: So it's like, do you want to be Italy, or do you want to be the U.S. the way we always were? You know, with with being productive. I mean, Italy spends a lot of time in their politics squabbling about silliness, and I don't want to yeah. be that. I don't want. I don't. You know, we talked about on the radio show how I'm tired of all the finger pointing. If they spent yeah. all the energy that they spend, if, if they took that energy that they currently spend blame throwing, and and put it to something productive, yeah, you know, there'd be no stopping us.
0: Yeah, I think you know part of it is that, in my humble opinion, is that our um oops, our education system. Has been completely overrun and infiltrated by a bunch of, and I and I hate to point it at, at say, liberal thought, but by uh, overeducated uh, ed, overeducated educators trying to rethink and redesign the way to educate, as opposed to doing what has worked for hundred for for you know a hundred years, and and so we're finding all of these. Ways to worry about kids' feelings and and their their and and deal with, with, um, uh, you know, e- everything so that everybody can come out feeling good, as opposed to making sure that people are educated well and recognizing that that you know some people are better off, you know. Being done with school and and working in a trade rather than trying to treat everybody as if they were going to go to college and then continually lowering standards so that everybody, you know, so that nobody or that everybody wins so that that way nobody feels bad. And yeah. I think, you know, if we fix that problem, then we will have a more educated populace that will vote better and get things done and think smarter. But the problem is, is that we've dumbed down everything so that we've created a a, a generation of people who don't uh, think the way that people had thought in this country for several hundred years because our education system has been infiltrated by, by people who were insistent on somehow you know, showing their own value by changing our education system in many ways. And I yeah. think that was just a, a mistake and, and that we need to. And and honestly, I think that's part of the reason that you've seen a, a, a large um, uh, move of people who can afford it, moving their kids into private education because they're they're not satisfied with the way public schools are run. And I'm not blaming the teachers. I'm blaming the the administrators and the politicians who have shaped the education system they've done a poor job of it and you know and, and we need to yeah we need to just step away from some of the the uh the educational analysts and educational planning people and say you know let's go back to what worked in 1950 and and granted we we may be you know the 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 topics um aren't exactly the same because things have changed you know one of the things that uh, bill Maher talked about and he actually listed the name of several um actual classes that are being taught in colleges. And they were like, you know, the Tao of Seinfeld is an actual college course that you can take. And And I thought, you know, I I know there are a lot of, of Chinese families that send their kids over here to go to college because of the quality of our colleges. And if one of those kids wrote home and said I was taking the Tao of Seinfeld, they'd be back home so quick their parents would be kicking them in the butt you know it's yeah. like no we didn't send you over I, there to take the tau of seinfeld take science like take physics you're class. going to be a doctor
2: yeah what? i mean it it sounds like a fun class it sounds like yeah. an interesting topic but you know is it worthy of a university uh, uh, you know i i don't think so although
0: yeah that's an extension course taken through learning Addicts. come on
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i remember taking film and you know but that's that's an art Form. And so in the film classes right. and that sort of thing, when we were learning about the genre itself, and so oh yeah, uh, hey, I know, took history so was, of
0: musical theater on film. I understand.
2: Yeah, so yeah, I mean, so it was it was Citizen Kane and um, um, oh my gosh, I'm waiting for Norma Desmond. Um, what was the name of that movie? Maybe it was no. What was the name of that movie? I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. Sunset Boulevard was the name of yeah. the movie. you know, and it was those. Kinds of classic movies and classic storytelling, and it's not that they have to be old, but they they have to be like I, the Princess Bride would be an, an interesting one because it, it you know so much of culture is wrapped up into that movie, um, right? And it was you know kind of perfect filmmaking. But it's an art class, right? I mean, that's you take mm-hmm. that as an art appreciation class.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I needed I was a senior and I needed a humanities course to graduate. And the only one that I could fit that fit into the right window of when I had available time to take a class was history of musical theater on film. And I went, oh, okay. And we watched a film one time and talked about But we talked about how it reflected what was going on in society at the time and the social impact that some films had on on society. And, you know, how, how the art goes back and forth between reflecting and impressing on society, different attitudes and thoughts. Um, and so, you know, Zigfield Follies of 1936, you know, something I probably wouldn't have sat down and watched if I hadn't been forced to. Um, you know, and, and is my life, you know, better or worse for it? Probably neither. But, yeah. but you know, I learned a little bit about what it was like to be in, in the United States in 1936 as a result of that. You know, pre-war. Or, or interim between war, time frame. Right? So,
2: I actually, you know, I, if I think about our schools, to me, the most, the more dangerous, the most dangerous aspect to modern K through twelve education is the social engineering uh, that they are, that they, that is, you know, they become a political football. The schools do, and the social engineering with kids, you know, where they're they spend a lot of time talking about um, things that. You know, while certainly interesting, um, you know, like like this at the university, certainly interesting, they're not going to um, help them put food on their table. You know, and the way that they teach math, I don't know that it's working because so many of these kids, so many kids, and this is, you know, across um, uh, economic spectrum, but but it's concentrated in the lower economic uh, areas. It's like how many kids fail algebra? Yeah, you know, and and why are they? Why are such? Why is there such a huge number of kids who fail algebra? Why?
0: Yeah. Why? What's well, wrong and with and and, and a lar- I think honestly, a large part of it is because there's a bunch of kids who f- who who essentially failed but got passed in in basic mathematics before they got to algebra because they weren't you know, they weren't interested. And quite frankly, I think, you know, we just, as a country, we can't say we're going to drag everybody along. If everybody's not willing to do it, then fine. Cut and run. Say, you guys go on this different path where you're going to get, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, commercial math. And we'll teach you how to balance your checkbook and how to, um, to, you know, basically exist as an adult in this world, which I guess doesn't even mean balancing your checkbook. Cause pop, you know, <laughs> I've seen studies where less than 10% of the world balances their checkbook anymore. Um, uh, of the United States, that is. And, but, you know, basic, basic skills that you'll need. And then, hey, go become an auto mechanic, go become a, you know, construction worker. You can get a good job and have a great life and, and you'll, you'll never know the difference. Um, but, you know, by trying to say everybody has to go on this same path that, that we've outlined that is, is college bound forces a whole bunch of people to do things they don't want to do and they fail. And so we create a bunch of failures by trying to make it, and then we see people failing. And so then the result is, well, we should make things a little easier. We should, should maybe you know, make set the bar a little lower. And and now we're failing the, the top end, the the students who who really need to know this stuff if they're going to go on to medical school and engineering school and and, and you know science and chemistry and biology. Um, you know, it's just uh, the 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 reactions have been wrong repeatedly in the education area
1: yes yes they have been and I, I actually brought this up I went to a, a meeting um, uh, of, of educators in the region and and there was a there was a uh, a faction in this meeting of a it was a large kind of collective impact kind of meeting where they were talking about you know we should focus less on grades and I said well hang on a second you know the kids in and we've talked about this in India, in China, in Germany, in mm-hmm. many other places, they are focused on grades,
0: yeah, and, some of them go you know, seven days a week or six they, days a they, week.
1: They are taught how to handle the rigor. I think it's worse if we don't set our kids up for handling the rigor you
2: right.
1: know I, you know, that's it, it, if we have we have hobbled our children,
0: yeah. Yeah, that trend of thirty somethings living at home, not having jobs or having menial jobs, is 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 largely the effect of they go out into the work world and they're not ready to deal with the fact that people have expectations of them.
1: Yes, and that it's hard.
0: Mm-hmm. And yet, it can be a joy at the same time. But you know, you've got to have a rudimentary set of skills to be able to be successful there. And if you haven't been taught that as a you know child growing up, then you know you can't do that. And yeah, I just, uh, yeah, you know, and again, I can't stress enough. I'm not blaming teachers here. The teachers are teaching what was put, what what they've been told to teach. They're teaching the curriculum that as it was created and, and in some cases it's okay, but you know, I mean, they have tied educators hands behind their back in terms of, you know, you, you're not allowed to have any discipline in your classroom and you can't do anything if the kid doesn't, you know, chooses to be disruptive and doesn't want to, uh, to listen to you. I mean, you, you basically can, you know, you can send them to the office and the office will say shame on you and send them right back. You know, it's, 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 you know, we've gotten to the point where we're stupid. We've let the kids, now we're letting the kids run the show, you know? And, uh, and it's just, it's, we're behaving very stupidly as a society and, uh, you know, and I'm not saying we need to go back to, to, you know, uh, paddles and, and spankings, for younger kids, if they misbehave and stuff, you know, but uh, um, you know, I don't see that that's the end of the world either. You know, <laughs> there, there's 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 somewhere in between that probably is the right place to land. But uh, you know, if if somebody is you know continually disruptive and not doing the work and keeping other people from doing the work, they should be removed from the classroom and put into a classroom where they're where you put them on a different route. And you just say, hey, you know, you you you're going to have a, a different career path than those that are trying to go to college because you don't seem to want to do that and that's the case you know and you don't do that with third graders but you know at some point you you look at that and say you know by the time you're in middle school you know you start you have to learn how to behave within a social environment if you don't then we'll move you to a different environment
2: yes yes you
0: know and then there's some consequences um you know, and 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 doesn't mean that you can't, you know, change your mind later and figure it out and then go to college. You know, some people some people aren't ready to go from high school straight to college, that they have to, to go out and be themselves for a while and then figure it out. And as adult, they go to college. And there's lots of people who do that and they have great lives. And, you know, and I think that we, we need to just understand that our education system seems to want to silo everybody into one direction. And I just think that's a mistake.
1: I agree with you. You know that's why community colleges—that's what community colleges are for. Yeah. For the second chances. Yeah. So, I, um, you know, there's, you know, as a as a culture, as a country, the U.S. Uh, so Americans spend a lot of time uh, thinking about our rights, but we don't think about our responsibilities, and each of us is responsible for knowing you know at least something about what's going on in the world around them you know yeah. I see these I man mean, on the street interviews and you know of college students kids on college they don't know basic things they don't they yeah. don't have any idea like you know when was World War Two? when did the revolution happen you know who will be fighting against they don't know mm-hmm. basic things how yeah. did they get out of high school
0: yeah it's it's, it's, it's a little terrifying that, that those, you know, that there's people g- being graduated and uh, and and they don't they couldn't hold a conversation, you know, outside of like, uh, you know, now they would point out, well, you can't tell me, you know, you know, insert name of musical artists last album here, that kind of thing, you know, because that seems to be what they're focused on. But uh, and what you know, so- what they can pick up off of social media. You know, what, what, uh, what Zoom or, um, uh, you know, TikTok personality posted what on last week's, you know, but again, the point, well, I'm just saying that could be the comeback, right? We know things you don't know. And it's like, right, but that isn't necessary for that. That's necessary for entertainment. It's not necessary for functioning in the world, you know, and granted some of that history, you know, you don't have to know, um, necessarily, uh, you know, some history, unless you're going into a profession where that's required, you know. Um, but but it gives, it, by knowing it, it gives you a specific set of grounding about what we as a society have done in the past. And from there, we can help then make conscious decisions about what to do in the future. If you don't understand some of the, the right and wrong decisions that we as a country have made in, in, in our history, then you can't avoid making those same mistakes later. You know, when you're voting for a politician who's saying, let's go do X, Y, or Z, <clears throat> some people who know that we've already done X, Y, and Z and it failed miserably would say, well, let's not vote for that guy. And other people would say, sounds good, sounds reasonable, you know, without actually knowing the background and the history of that. It's it's just, you know, so there there's reasons to understand history. There's reasons to understand mathematics. Um, you know, to be able to to put together a uh cohesive sentence and and paragraph and and express your thoughts clearly you know there's reasons that you take English classes Um, it's it's so you can construct a sentence Um, uh, and you know and if you're not willing and 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 want to do that then fine you know then pick a job that you know don't take those classes will set you up in in a in a direction that's going to give you the basic skills so that you can function as you know And I always go back to like auto mechanic. I mean, there's lots of people who need to fix cars, you know, and and that world's changing because there's going to be a lot of electric cars on the road and they need different issues, you know, different things than 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 gas powered vehicles. And so that that could be an exciting and interesting area where there's going to be a lot of growth. And and
1: even in even in, uh, you know, being an auto mechanics, make good money. And they do. Yeah, that's
0: what I'm saying. (laughs) It is a highly
1: skilled job,
0: you know, be a carpenter, be a highly
1: skilled job. There's mm-hmm. so much of even even in the gas powered cars, there's so much of those cars that are um, driven by computers. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. So you have to yeah. understand at least have yeah. a modicum of understanding about how computers work.
0: Sure. Well, you know what? Most of those people who do that, is that, they may not know. I mean, like how their desktop computer works, but they know how to hook that machine up to the uh, up to the vehicle and then read the information coming off of it. So they were trained on the job, sort of in an internship. You know, right. they were hired as a rookie and somebody taught them how to do this. And when they get a new piece of equipment, they're sent to a school to learn how to do that thing. And that is directly related to something they will be doing. So they're motivated to learn to do it. Whereas doing general things like sitting in a classroom and learning algebra um, may not have any value to them. And fine, if that's the way you're driven, then fine. That's why the schools should be uh, bifurcated and and there should be, you know, college-bound Paths and there used to be that way. There was a, you know, there was you, you literally there was a college uh, pathway and a and a, and, a uh, and another pathway that was designed for people who were going to go into skilled trades, and and they had different sets of information that they were taught and taught differently because that's what they were going to need, and that's fine. I, you know, it's it's not like when you graduate from high school that you can't change your mind. You can change your mind, you know. Um, but if you're on the college path, you're more likely to get into a four year school. And if you're on the, the, the other path, and then you change your mind, you probably have to go to a junior college and learn some of that other stuff before you can move on. Um, and you can do that at any point in your life. You know, I mean, I know people in their, in their forties and fifties who decide that they want to get a degree and they start going to college and taking classes in the evenings and they do it, you know, it works. Um, but it's just, you know, not everybody needs the same things at the same time and the same way and and uh yeah it frustrates the heck out of me i think our education system is the root of what causes most of our social ills at this point in time and that we can make those changes but but we need to have a real sit down about it and we and the thing is is we don't need a whole bunch of people who have well i've got a degree in education and it says that i should this is how, you know this is how we should do it no let's look at what has actually worked historically you know Back when we were building things, what worked?
2: Yeah,
1: I, you and I are in complete agreement.
0: Yeah. You know, it's because, um, yeah, I mean, and we're, you know, as a country, I mean, obviously, we, we, we have people who are going to college and doing great things. I mean, you know, we've both got kids who have who have all, uh, you know, gone to college to, to some degree and taken classes on things that they want to do. And, you know, and they're finding their way and there are, you know, making successful lives of it. But, um, uh, you know, that, you know, we we both have uh, one child who was very education oriented and worked through and and got their degree and and did what they needed to do. And another one who kind of bounced around a little bit trying to find their way. Right. You know, and they all worked out know, We got great kids. So, you know, it's it's there's no one way to do it. You know, and our education system needs to recognize that. So yeah,
1: I I, I am in a, completely agree. I yeah, completely I, agree. I, I
0: feel like I've kind of beat that dead horse, though. So we probably should move on to something else that's going on. Um, hey, you had posted a story about uh, property taxes keeping black families from gaining wealth. Um, it was posted on Apple News through the uh, Bloomberg business Bloomberg Business Week. Um, yes. And so, uh, yeah, go ahead.
1: No. And in, 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 at first I thought, how is that possible? But in some in some states, this has been a problem. They tell the story of a of a woman in Michigan who mm. is she was she's living as a renter in a house that used to be hers um, because her house that, that that she was evicted because of unpaid property taxes. And, and what the article says is that she was um, that, that the house was unfairly over assessed and she that the payments were just too much for her um, you know that she could do the – she could deal with the mortgage but the property taxes uh, were um, uh, uh, just exorbitant she couldn't she couldn't pay them her house, uh, which she bought in 2005 for 63,800 dollars was auctioned off by the county and then snapped up by an investment company for less than five grand. She lost every cent that she put into it. Um, you know, and and what they're saying is that in the low-income neighborhoods they would overinflate the property values, and in high-income neighborhoods they would neighborhoods they would they would um, undervalue uh, the homes, and mm-hmm. so as a percentage, um, you know, the people in the high end, the low income neighborhoods were paying far more than they should have been. Um, and this has happened in lo, it's you know, lots of different places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause uh, you they, can manipulate
0: they... the assessment value and therefore then you can, uh, make it harder for people to, to continue to live in one location.
1: Yes. And so, um, they talk about stories in New York city in Baltimore and St. Louis and this is an example of systemic racism, and it's something that you know I just assume that our house is valued at what our house should be valued at. I mean, I, mm-hmm. we haven't is a little different because of Prop 13, and we've lived. In yeah, I was going to say it's so something long. in
0: California we don't deal with as much, but because uh, right. we don't get reassessed every year, but that's the norm in most states is your property gets reassessed each year, and then you have to pay the property taxes off of whatever that new assessment is. So, yes. So that's always going up.
1: Yes. So um, uh, a 2020 study from the University of Chicago uh, brings the unprecedented uh, unprecedented scope of this problem into question. Um, They cover twenty six hundred counties. It found that more than nine out of every 10 reflected the same pattern of unfairness. Um, you know, it's a textbook example of institutional racism, according to Christopher Berry, a professor at the university's Harris School of Public Policy, who led the research effort. Um, so the problem is rooted in American history. One legacy of racial discrimination, uh, discrimination, including the practice of redlining, that is that that black people own a dispor- disproportionate share of lower valued real estate, and census data show that the median home value is in predominantly black tracts is roughly half the value in majority white and Hispanic tracts. Um, and that historical disparity has been aggravated by this flawed taxism system. He says that there's not, nobody's explicitly making decisions to be unfair, but it's just the way it's always been done and it's still done that way and still hurting people. You know.
2: Yeah. So it
1: sounds to me that that needs to be um, fixed. Um, wide variations in policy and rates among many thousands of U.S. jurisdictions that levy property taxes make it difficult to quantify the aggregate size of the imbalances. But the study found that in 2018, in Chicago alone, unfair assessments shifted $2.2 billion in property tax payments from those who own the highest value homes to those who own the lowest value homes um, over only five years. Hmm. So we're talking about serious money. So this is an he's saying the, the people are now saying that's an absolute priority to get this fixed. You
0: know, yeah, I would think and I so. agree. I,
1: I, I, yes. And the thought that, that this, this, this woman who bought this house for 63,000, it was snatched out from under her and sold at auction for five grand. What the heck, man?
2: Yeah.
0: I mean,
1: That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah.
0: No, it's, it's, it's a crime that there wasn't some effort to, to settle that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah, you, you look at that and you go, how on earth did that, did that happen?
1: So she had an annual tax payment of about three grand. Um, she was making six bucks an hour at the time and um, got another job where she was earning a little bit more, but it still wasn't much. And um, in 2011, she lost her job during the Great Recession, and she missed her payment. Um, so, you know, there should have been something to help her. Now, of course, you know, I'm trying to remember when Detroit went bankrupt, but I think it was around the same time. So maybe the there was no option for her in her county to kind of renegotiate that debt or find another way to pay that debt. Um, so she got hosed,
0: yeah, yeah. that just that just they're so wrong on so many levels that uh um you know you, you you cringe.
1: Yes, I think she's got a civil rights case i I really do, and I yeah. I, I hope that this gets litigated.
0: I suspect that the that the city and or people that are um doing the assessment are going to say that the property values went up more in those areas and they'll have some kind of documentation to back that up but you know it seems to me that it that that you know they have to there, there should be some sort of limits if there isn't a law currently there should be some sort of limits on how much you can jump it up from year to year so that you can't just uh you know flip somebody out of their house by, by bumping up taxes indefinitely.
1: Well, and there should be some, some more standards. So if they're, and part of the problem Todd is that they're like the, the houses that are worth $3 million, they are um, when an assessor goes in or, or, or a, um, uh, they do an an evaluation of the house and they, they uh, put a value on the house. Like they would, they, the house is worth 3 million, but on the books they put 1.2 million. Um, and so, you know, they they undervalue the houses for property taxes if you're in a high income neighborhood. But if you're in a low income neighborhood, they tend to value it more than the house is actually worth. And so as a percentage, mm-hmm. um, uh, it is it is unfair.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. But what I'm saying is, you know, the, the re- I'm sure that the, the, the tax assessor is going to say the reason that the 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 Differences between the neighborhoods is because in the lower income neighborhoods, the tax, the value of the properties went up higher and they're going to point to something. I'm sure they've got something they can point to. And so they're going to justify it some way. They're going to say, oh, well, the value, you know, they were lower valued houses. And so they had more growth in value there. And so they're going to point to that and say that's the reason that they, you know, and and yeah, I'm with you. I I, I think that's why I was saying there needs to be some sort of limit on how much you're allowed to raise it year to year. Um, percentage-wise, so that they can't do that. Regardless, even if, even if it's totally true and the, the, you know, the, the, the lower-income area has seen a much higher growth in the value of property, the tax assessor should not be able to just jump it up by whatever number they choose. There should be some sort of um, um, uh, limitation on how much you can jump it at a given time in order to avoid people getting that surprise bill.
1: Yes, you know, and I think of you know, um, you don't have any, you know, you buy your house, and I think of the people who live in their house for decades, like Tobin and I have, um, you know, and and you have a mortgage that was that you agreed upon when you moved into the house, um, and and this is why Prop 13 happened, you know, the the property taxes would would soar, even though
2: mm-hmm. your
1: Ability, your financial picture may not have changed. Your house may be worth more, but you haven't sold it, so it's not like you you have additional dollars in your pocket, right? I mean, it just the value of the house has gone up, and so you know that's it is it is it is truly unfair, um, and I agree with you uh, for it to continue to to bump up quickly, you know, based right. on something right. that 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 you're not necessarily unless you're pulling money out of the house you're not seeing a value in that yet cuz you haven't sold it
0: right yeah no i think it just makes you know i mean the, the way california handled it and saying that you can't change the property value other than they do change it cuz there's like a a everybody gets a small like inflation adjustment but right. they can't reassess the property until uh until it changes hands um is a reasonable way of doing it but it does mean that then Counties have to think about, you know, how much revenue growth they're going to get, Um, you know, because you can't get it by just sticking it to the people. Right. Which is good. It's not a bad thing. (laughs) Right. But, uh, you know, they know how much they've got and that's how much they're going to get. Right. You can't just say, well, we don't have that much, so we need to raise property taxes for everybody. Um, Yeah. We can't just go out and reassess people in California, which. You know, if, if they're going to raise property taxes across the board on a percentage, they can still do that in California, That, but then you've got to get everybody to vote on it and sign off on it. Um, whereas, you know, in places where they can just reassess you every year, they just reassess you and crank it up without it actually going to the people. And as as is pointed out in this story, they can then target certain areas and that's just inherently unfair. So, yeah, I feel for these people. I mean, I can't imagine losing your house because... You know, they just keep pushing your your ta- property taxes up to where you can't afford them anymore. Yes, I mean they say. You know, this woman was saving for her house. She started saving for her house when she was making six dollars an hour, uh, and then she doubled that to twelve when she took got a new job later on. But she was working in a cafeteria, and then she moved up to a working in a domestic violence shelter and got you know twelve dollars an hour. You know, and she was able to to uh, you know save up a down payment and and get a mortgage, and she was making her payments. But, you know, she's not a wealthy woman, but she was, you know, living the American dream for her. And then, you know, disaster. All it takes is, you know, there are a lot of people who are like that. They're doing their very best, but all it takes is, you know, a bad, bad luck that you maybe even don't even have anything to do with. Uh, For instance, they said that in 2011 she lost her job during the recession and then she missed her tax payment. You know, she was still managing to make her, her, her house payment, you know, making, yeah. you know, and, and, and make do. But, you know, when you're, when you're living uh, on paycheck to paycheck or on unemployment because of something you had totally unanticipated, you know, and then somebody hands you a $3,000 bill and says, you know, pay this or we're going to take your house. What do you do? You know, you lay awake at night, stressed and, and crying and, and, praying that you can find a place for your kids to live and all of your money is sunk in this property that you you know were worked hard to get. Yeah, it seems like like just corporate thievery that has been um sub you know sub um what's the word I want to say here uh supported by the government. It's it's like corporate thievery that that the that the government is is the catalyst for making happen and that's just you know that's wrong. Our our government shouldn't work that way.
1: I agree. I agree.
0: Boy, we're in such agreement today. We're just on it.
1: <laughs> you and
0: me. We got it going on. We just. Well. So,
1: do you think Andrew Cuomo is going to get get ousted?
0: Um, this is going to be probably the the counter to the typical narrative, but let's actually see if there's a trial and, and, and then what happens, you know? I mean, thus far he's got there's accusations. It seems like he's kind of a turd of a human being. And I get that. Um, and, and somebody pointed out the other day that, you know, that on the legal level, yes, that's what needs to happen. But on the political level, he's becoming too much of a liability and that the the democratic party is going to say, get rid of him. Um, you know, I mean, I think they should because I think he's a poor representative for their party. But I think he's, a, you know, like I said, I don't think as a human being he he handles himself well, politics aside. Um, but I don't believe in hanging people before they've actually like, you know, you don't hang him on the accusation, I guess, you know, you know, and yep. whether it's legal, legal or moral or political. Don't hang him on the accusation. I mean, like, you know, and. and i think of like this in this arena where there's been women who have been um you know i mean nobody has actually and correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think any of them have said he actually like assaulted them but he has there's been unwanted touching and some and, and language that was inappropriate and things like that is is the accusations i, I, I honestly i don't know all the details it's, it's a um, i think one. of al franken yeah i think of al franken you know and he there was You know, photos of him pretending to grope a woman on an airplane, you know, years before he was a political person and his job was to be a comedian. And I'm going, okay, yes, it was inappropriate. He was a comedian. Yes, he probably said things that offended people. He's a comedian, you know. And so I thought, you know, again, I'm not somebody who's a huge fan of Al Franken's politics all the time, but I thought them ousting him was stupid. And... And, and so, you know, I just say, slow down, let's investigate a little bit. Let's see if something really happened. And if it really did, then he should pay the price for having behaved badly. Um, And then they should oust him. But like right now, should they just say, kick him out? Should he resign? You know, if he did it, he knows what he did and didn't do. If he did it, yes, he should resign. If he didn't resign, if he didn't do it, then he should say no. Yep. Until they, until, you know, it's at least all sussed out. That's my feeling.
1: So, and that's going to be our last word because we are completely out of time.
0: Oh, I wanted to hear what you thought. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we'll have to wait.
0: Okay. We can maybe come back and talk about that one tomorrow. Tune in to KCAA radio, 1050 AM, 106.5, 102.3 FM in the greater inland empire. You can hear us on the air or via the podcast there. And then we'll be back here again tomorrow as well. Thanks for joining us. I'm Todd Brinker.
1: I'm Erin Brinker. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.